0: you know, we started on Valentine's Day. On Wednesday, there is a uh, a certain group of people within the city that, that you know, you, you, you're you to pray for that day. The first day was praying for the people who are less fortunate than us. Uh, day two was about marriages, uh, just praying for all the marriages in the city. And then on day three, it was on behalf of all the educators. And I just thought, you know, there's a lot of people here, are a lot of teachers here. Um, you know, you got like Bob, the um, athletic director at at McKinley, and I thought, you know, today uh, as we as we gather together, it'd be really great um, to pray uh, for our educators because how important are are those who are involved in education? And so, whether you know you are, uh, you know, you're with the public schools here in Hawaii, or you might be in at a, at a private school, some of you are even homeschooling. You're all educators, all right? And so I'm just going to um, ask if you, and this is a little embarrassing, but that's okay. I was going to do it a little tricky. I was going to have everybody stand up and they say, if you're not an educator, sit down and you're left. But I want you to stand. We just want to pray for you, all right? If you're somewhere connected in education, um, public schools, private schools, and homeschooling, why don't you stand? We're going to pray for you guys, all right? And then if you see people around you, just extend your hand a little bit to them. And we're just gonna pray for them because how important uh, they all are, you know. If if I was in, uh, if I was a young guy, I would love for um, Nathan Yoshida to teach me math, you know. <laughs> if I had Nathan Yoshida when I was younger, I probably would have done a little better in math, you know. But uh, why don't we pray for all these people who are, you know, engaged in um, in education and. And, you know, like some of you, like Claudine and stuff, you all work at schools and stuff, right? Why don't you stand up too? And I think Sue's here. Yes, pray, yeah. I don't even want to stand. It's embarrassing, but I'm standing, you know. So let's just pray. Father, we just want to thank you for um, those who have made a commitment, who have sought to really um, be a part of our educational system uh, here in Hawaii, educating our younger uh, generations, Lord that they are so important. In a lot of ways, you know, teachers have more um, time with our children than even parents do. Uh, They they have them, and Lord, we just pray that you would bless them, that you would encourage them, that uh, they they go through so much. You know, so much of, of what a teacher does is it goes beyond just teaching. Lord, and we just pray, God. We pray for all the schools, you know, all the public schools. Lord, we just pray that you would really blessed, and, and there would be a, really sense, a real sense of unity amongst the school, with the administration, with the teachers, with all the faculty, with the staff, with the students, Lord. The same for all our private schools, God. We just pray that you would so bless the private schools that um, the tuition wouldn't have to be raised every year, you know, and public, private school parents say amen. And so we just pray for all our private schools and those who are homeschooling, God, you know, that's, that's a tough job. Um, to homeschool um, the children, so we just pray for wisdom, we pray for encouragement, and you would bless all our educators, we thank you in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you, guys. <clears throat> See, I mean, it's it's great to pray, and I, and I think what I really like about this, it, it just helps me to just focus down and intentionally pray for different groups of people within our city, you know? And I remember on the day that I was praying for the gangs and I thought, wow, you know, I I don't know too many gang members, but I remember when I would drive around and I would see, you know, graffiti things on the walls and it would remind me of that. Um, uh, We went, my wife and I went, we had um, our kids for for Christmas got us like a sunset dinner cruise, you know, and so last night was our our cruise. I was so glad it was a two-hour cruise and not a three-hour tour. Uh, three, uh, some of you, Gilligan's Island, come on, but um, so we went, and then I was gonna, I was looking for something, I was driving up Pecoy, and poor Dave here, Dave Idamari, you know, he has to do his rotator cuff surgery again, and felt so bad for him, so going up Pecoy, there used to be a convenience store that would sell um, uh, flamingos banana pies, and if you know Dave, you know Dave loves banana pies, so I'm driving up Pico. I go like, oh, I got to get Dave a banana pie. So I turn in there. There's no banana pie in that store no more. It's like a liquor store. All these people are hanging out. And Joe goes, my wife goes, you going to stop here? Yeah, yeah, it's all right. It's all right. You know? I said, if, if, you know, if, if I don't come back, I love you. And uh, I went in there, and there was a <laughs> I go in there, and I just, as soon as I went in, and they still have a sign, you know, I have bananas. And so, I go in there, and I go... Y'all don't have flamingo banana pies. <laughs> and the lady didn't even know what I was talking about. And I got in my car, and, 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 and Joe had locked up all the doors. Um, she had just, yeah. And so, um, but, but it made me think. See, it made me think about, like, you know, these are people that I just prayed for. You know, that, that element, you know. And I was just praying, and I said, you know, I just got to be with the peeps. These are guys that we're praying for. And so I want to encourage you, just um, join us. In prayer and it's going to be it's going to be awesome I'll, I'll try to get you a banana pie i don't i don't even know Did even is, is flamingo still open is there even a flamingo still there's no flamingo the there is there's one in pro city still all right okay because that's a lot better than me trying to make you a banana pie all right one of the probably and I would say maybe the most important question that we must answer in our lives really is the question, who is Jesus, right? The whole deal of this, of this series, who is Jesus? And, and the truth is, you really cannot know who Jesus you know, truly is and not have it affect your life. You just can't. When you know the real the true Jesus, it will affect your life. Whatever you decide about Jesus, it will affect your life. And it's so important, especially these days, um, to know who Jesus is, and not just what public opinion tells us about who Jesus is, or or the History Channel or Wikipedia. You know, I mean, uh, it, it's it's really if you want to know who Jesus is, you gotta you gotta get into the Bible, right? Because the Bible will tell you who Jesus really, really is. And I would. I figure that, you know, as we go through this, you know, you'll see Jesus in a way maybe you've never thought he was that way. And that's a good thing because we need to know who Jesus is. A.W. Tozer, he was an American pastor. He was a self-taught theologian, um, a gifted writer, uh, called by many during his time, uh, a modern-day prophet. And, um, you know, he's since gone home to the Lord. But over about over half a century ago, you know he was looking at the landscape in America, and he wrote this: He said, "The decline of the knowledge of God has brought on our troubles. It is impossible to keep our moral practices sound and our inward attitudes right while our idea of God is erroneous or inadequate. if we would bring back spiritual power to our lives we must begin to think of God more nearly as he is. A rediscovery of the majesty of God will go a long way toward curing what ails us um, at the present time. And that was written over 50 years ago, and that's still really, really true today. It's a sobering, sobering statement. And, you know, you think about it, and you think about what happened in the, in, the, in the late 60s when they took prayer out of the school, and we all lamented as Christians, oh, they took prayer out of the school. Well, you know what, that was just an indication of where our, our nation was going. It wasn't that prayer out of the school was the big issue. It was like trying to, to take God out of our society. And so what's happening is that, you know, just more and more, we don't know who God really is. We don't know who Jesus really is. And we need to get back to that. And so what we're doing right now, what we're doing in this series, is really important. Because at the very least, we need to know who Jesus is. You know, uh, Ravi Zacharias, you know, he is uh, he's an apologist, a very, very good thinker. And he's very concerned about the future of the church. And his concern is that the church doesn't really know who Jesus is. You know? And uh, that's why we're on this journey. And you know the thing is, the good thing is, is when you begin to know uh the real Jesus, it's gonna make you want to know more. You no, know? it's just it's it's just when you when you get to know or when you are beginning to to know if you're married and, and you started dating. Um, you just wanted to know more and more about that person. There was love behind it, you know. No one was telling you to do that. It wasn't an exercise. It was just this heart feeling, like, I got to know more. And when you get to know Jesus, it's the same thing. You know, I I remember um, I became a Christian in high school, and looking back, I got to be really honest, my motivation was, um, my biggest motivation was, I didn't want to go to hell, you know. And I was working at the, um, the cannery, the, the Del Monte Pineapple Cannery at that time in the summer, and, and I just kept thinking, you know, every day I would go in, I was thinking, man, if, if, if hell is worse than this, I just don't want to be there. And there was these two Christian dudes over there. I would talk with them. There was a lot of talk about end times and all these scary stuff. And I said, man, I, I'm going to accept Jesus because I don't want to go to hell, you know? And um, looking back, I realized it really didn't make much impact in my life. You know, it was like, you accept Jesus. I accepted Jesus, and I went, and I had this, you know, insurance policy put in my back pocket. Great, man. Now I'm not going to hell, you know, but my life didn't change, you know. um, As, you know, my friends never knew I was a Christian because my life didn't change. My language didn't change. I used a lot of salty language back then, you know, Um, and um, swearing for, you know, whatever. But um, I realized that there was this really difficult time in my life, and then I started to read the Bible. You know how it is, right? When you're like this Christian with the insurance pocket in, the back, in, in your back pocket, and when something goes bad, you know the first thing you do is you I've got to read the Bible. So I was reading the Bible, and I started in Matthew, and by the time I got through John, uh, something just kind of stirred in my heart. Uh, something was stirring that wasn't there before, and I began to see beyond Christianity and 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 religion, and I began to see uh, Jesus for who He really was, and and as a person, and I kept thinking about Him, and the more I thought about Him, the more I wanted to know about Him, you know, and that's when I first went to this place called a Christian bookstore, and I remember buying. I just looked at the Jesus section, and I just wanted to get Jesus books, you know, and, and I and I got to know Him, and the more I knew the more I wanted to know him in a real personal way. And that thirst that I had for Jesus, you know, got me, I, I said, I got to get involved somehow. I got involved in a church, and then I got involved with the youth, the youth ministry. And then um, eventually, you know, just that thirst got me to, to keep pursuing God, and eventually I said, I got I to get into vocational ministry. Nothing else that I really want to do. And, and so I went to the seminary. And I went, um, pursued that, because when you begin to know the real Jesus, you just kind of thirst for more. In Psalm 42, verse 1, the psalmist says, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with him? And, and that's my prayer, that as we continue this series, that... um. That you would begin to really see Jesus for who He is in the Book of John, and as you get to know Him, that that you'll just get you just get more and more thirsty for who Jesus is, and that your knowledge of the true and the real Jesus would just grow, and so would your love uh, for 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 Him. You know, one of my prayers every time I'm driving over here on Sunday morning, I just pray, God, 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 you know, please, that I pray that that um, as we come here on a Sunday morning and, and gather whoever you want to come, but I pray that we would all leave this place loving Jesus more. And that's just like every day. Like, Man, can we leave this place loving Jesus just a little more? And that'll make all the difference in the world. And so today we're going to look at a, a passage in John chapter 10. And in John chapter 10, Jesus is teaching, uh, a, you know, this a crowd is growing and he's teaching the crowd um, by using something that was very, very familiar to them. And that's what Jesus often did, right? He, he, he chose something familiar to describe and explain and to illustrate something that he wanted them to know. And so he takes this time to teach them and explain who he is. So if you want to turn to your Bibles, you know, it'll be on the screen. Um, John chapter 10, verse 1, we're going to start there. And Jesus says this. The first thing Jesus said about who he is, he says, I am the gate. I am the gate. Um, Verse 1, I tell you the truth. Anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him. The sheep recognizes his voice and comes to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he gathered his own sheep, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice they won't follow a stranger they will run from him because they don't know his voice and Jesus Jesus uses this illustration and everybody there knew exactly what he was talking about you know they 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 knew about shepherds shepherds were very very common in that day and they would guide sheep along the hillsides of, of the land that was that was pretty much mainly desert and um for most of the the year it was, um, it was a really, really dry and inhospitable place, and and there were times of much rain would come, and then they would go, and then you know there would be stuff that the the sheep can eat, and so they knew exactly what Jesus was talking about. Um, they they knew how uh, when the sheep were threatened or they needed to rest for the night, how the the shepherds would go out and they would look for these sheepfolds, and the sheepfolds were just pretty much. Um, a stone wall around with an opening um in the front. And and what the the shepherds would do was guide all the sheep in and then, you know, where that that entryway, yes, would just kinda sit there or lay there and he would act like a gate. You know, he was the gate. Nothing could the sheep couldn't wander out and, and, and nothing, um wild animals, whatever, uh couldn't Get in. He were he was the gate that protected um, the sh- the sheep, and people understood, you know, this illustration, sheep, shepherds, gate, gatekeepers. But you know, okay, Jesus, okay. So what about the sheep? So he goes on in, in verse six. Those who heard Jesus um, use his illustration didn't understand what he meant, so he explained it to them. I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pasture. My, the thieves' purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. And Jesus was, was declaring something, using something really familiar but he was declaring something really, really, really different. But it was really important that, that he was saying that, you know, others have come. There were other people who had come and leaders who had come. Absolutely no love or concern for the welfare of the people. And then he said, there's an enemy. There's a real enemy. And he's a thief and a robber. And he's describing the devil. He's describing Satan. And he's saying Satan's whole deal, he's come to steal, kill, and destroy, you know. But he said, "I've come to lead people inside this sheepfold into protection and safety," and and it really was a really vivid picture that they could remember. In um, another time, he had shared in Luke nineteen ten. He says, "For the Son of Man did not come didn't come to, for the Son of Man came to seek and save those that were lost. That which was lost." And he's explaining it further, what that means, that, the, that I have come to seek and save that which was lost. I'm like a shepherd. He's saying, I am the gate. And by saying that he is the gate, Jesus was saying that he is the only way, that he is the only way through which we can be saved. And later on, he would make it absolutely clear. In John 14, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, no one comes to the Father Except through me, you see, and he's saying, "I'm the only way." And he's also saying that he's the only way we can be protected and uh, from our enemy who comes to steal, kill, and destroy us. There's an enemy, but I'm here. I have come to protect. He's also saying that he's the only way in which we can experience a rich and satisfying life. So he's saying, "See, that's, that's me. It's it's only through me. I'm the gate." right? And just as you, you know that sheep are safe in that sheepfold, and the only reason they're, they're, they're safe is because that shepherd stands right at the gate, and he's saying, I am that gate. And, and what he's ultimately saying is that he is the one and only way to a life with God. He's the one and only way to a life with God. And, you know, this flies in the face of a common belief today that, you know what, no, no. You know, all religions, they, you know, they all kind of say the same thing, and they all lead to God. And Max Locato, you know, he's a pastor, author, uh, once spoke about the odd nature of disbelief. And he said this, all roads lead to heaven. Well, that might make good talk show fodder, but does it really make sense? Can all approaches to God be correct? How can all religions lead to God when they are so different? We don't tolerate such logic in other matters. We don't pretend that all roads lead to London or all ships sail to Australia. All flights don't lead to Rome. Imagine your response to a travel agent who proclaims um, that they do. You tell him that you need, to, you need a flight to Rome. So looking at his screen, he offers, Well, there's a flight to Sydney, Australia at 6 a.m. Does he go to Rome? No, but it offers great food and movies. But I need to get to Rome, you say. And he will say, well, may I suggest Southwest Airlines? That's a good airlines, by the way. Southwest Air uh, flies to Rome? No, but they win awards for on-time arrivals. And he says, you're getting frustrated, so you reiterate, I need one airline to carry me to the one place, Rome. And the agent appears offended, and he says, sirs, all flights go to Rome. Well, you know better. Different flights have different destinations. That's not a thick-headed conclusion, but an honest one. Every flight does not go to Rome, and every path does not lead to God. And Jesus said that the only way to God is through him, that he's the gate, that he's the gate. And so who is Jesus? Jesus said, I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep, and my purpose is to give a rich and satisfying life. You see, Jesus is the one and only way to God. And the great, great news for us is that that he's that gate by which that old life of sin and guilt and pain and loss is shut. That, we can, that he, he makes it possible for, for us to leave that behind. And at the same time, there's a gate that is open to a new life, that we're saved from all that, that God's come to forgive us and to save us, and he's the gate that opens up a new life, a life with him, a life that is rich and satisfying. And Jesus said, he's our gate. Then he goes on, and if that wasn't good enough. He goes on, and, and he says, I am the good shepherd. Not only am I the gate, I am the good shepherd. Verse 11, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for his sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. I will not abandon the sheep because they don't, he will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flocks the hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. And Jesus is saying that, that he's the good shepherd. Okay? Now, he, he, what he's saying, and, and literally in, in the original language, it literally says the shepherd. Jesus said, I am the shepherd, the good one. Right? And what he's saying there is he's setting, apart, setting himself apart from all other shepherds. He is not just a shepherd. He isn't just a decent, good shepherd. He is the good shepherd. This is one of them, and I am the good shepherd in a class <clears throat> all by itself. The word he used for "good" there means a person, uh, uh, something of noble character. You know, it's it's it's. I am the good shepherd, the only good shepherd with noble character is what he's saying. And, and, and being the good shepherd involves a, not just a willingness um, to risk his life, because that's what he did, but he laid down his life. See? And shepherds would go out there, and there was a willingness to risk their lives for the safety of the sheep. Wild, a, wild animals, robbers would come, um, you know, and it was a constant threat. Shepherds would carry a staff. They were pretty proficient with slings, you know, David and Goliath, right, slings and stones. You know, they were proficient with that because they were there to protect their sheep. But Jesus, not just a good shepherd, he was the good shepherd, went beyond just merely giving up his, uh, giving up his, uh, giving up his life. He actually laid down his life for them. And a good shepherd really don't do that. You don't want to lay down your life for your sheep, because if you die, the sheep are going to be in big trouble, right? because you're their only protector. So you're not going to lay down your life for them, but the good shepherd does. And ultimately, the death of this good shepherd doesn't mean disaster, that it means life for the sheep. And then Jesus kind of goes on. He says, I am the good shepherd. He says it again. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and they know me. Just as, the, just as my father knows me and I know the father, so I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep too, but they are not in this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice, and there will be one flock with one shepherd. And you know, the the thing about shepherds was they they knew their sheep personally. Often they would actually name their sheep. You know, I don't know what, you know, Rudolph and Dancer, Prancer, I mean, I don't know what they name them, you know, but they would name, and, and, and over time, the sheep would, would, would recognize the voice of their shepherd. Or sometimes they carry like this reed instrument and they play a certain, you know, make a certain sound or music from it, and the sheep would hear that and they would recognize their shepherd's voice. And the people knew that, and that's why Jesus said, "I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep personally." And they go, "Yeah, that's what shepherds do. They know their sheep personally. And my sheep know my voice." Is what they're saying. Yeah, what he's saying. And today in Palestine, you know, you can uh, go, and shepherds are there, and they they bring their flocks home from the various pastures and that they have grazed all day, and often, um, you know, a bunch of flocks. Uh, would join up together at the same watering hole around dusk and they all get mixed up, right? They're drinking water and there's like eight or nine flocks there and all the shepherds are there talking, I don't know, shepherd talk, you know, I don't know, uh, I I just slung two wolves today. Oh, you had two wolves? Well, I had three bears, you know, whatever they do, you know, whatever shepherds and however shepherds talk, probably eating shepherd's pie, you know, I don't know, but at the end, when it's time to go home, either by voice or by that reed instrument, they would call out to their sheep, right? And, and the sheep were like, oh, there's mine. I'll see you other sheep later. And then they all follow, you know? They all follow. And that's what they do. They, there's no mix-up. They know the shepherd's voice. <clears throat> and so Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd, that I know my sheep. And my sheep know my voice. And the word he used for know isn't just like um, there's a familiarity about them. It um, goes beyond just um, a recognition. But it's a, it's, it's a word that's used, know, how the Bible uses it, like how um, a husband intimately knows his wife. There's a relationship. There's an intimate relationship. And that would have been clear to his readers was it was more than just, you know, I know my sheep and my sheep knows my voice. That that they would know exactly what he's talking about. There's something very intimate about that. And Jesus is saying that I am the good shepherd. And that, They know my voice. They know who I am. And he's saying that, you know, right now you're probably all thinking they're all made up, your flock is made up from the Jews. And he says, no, you know, there's, there's, he's saying that there's going to be more, that the Gentiles are going to, the non Jews are going to be involved, uh, included in this. I've come not just to save the Jews, but I've come to save the world. And, and so that's what he says. And then goes on in verse 17. It says, the Father loves me because I sacrificed my life so I may take it back again. No one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily. I have the authority to lay it down uh, when I want and also to take it up again. For this is what my, master, what my Father has commanded. And he's saying again that he's God, that he's God's son, that God the Father is his father, and he came out of love and obedience to God the Father. And, and, and what he's saying is that, I'm God. You know, I'm the gate, and I'm the good shepherd. Who is Jesus? Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd sacrifices his life for his sheep. You see, Jesus and Jesus alone... Is the gate that allows us to really enjoy a life that goes through all eternity with our Father in heaven. That Jesus and Jesus alone is our good shepherd who leads us, who protects us, who makes the way for us to get to the Father. And you know, we hear this, and the people heard this, and it leaves you with a choice. Because if you really believe that Jesus is this, that he's the gate and he's the good shepherd, that leaves you with a choice. That you can believe him, accept him, and say, all right. Or you can say, mm, nah, I don't think so. Because whenever you get and you meet the true Jesus, the real Jesus, you've got to make a decision. In verse 19, The people heard this, right? This growing crowd hears this, and he says, When he said these things, the people um, were again divided in their opinions about him. Some said, He's a demon-possessed and out of his mind. Why listen to a man like that? Others said, This doesn't sound like a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? And some will hear, and they will question and choose not to believe in him. But upon hearing this, some will choose to believe and believe that he is who he says he is. Jesus says that my sheep know him and they know his voice. have you heard his voice? Do you hear his voice? Because, Because God speaks to us. Have you heard him call out to you today as we read the Bible, got into the Bible. You know, um, maybe you heard his voice when you were worshiping. And a lot of times, you know, we think that, um, oh, when God speaks, is it like this audible voice? And sometimes, rarely, that happens. But most often, it happens when as he speaks through his word. And that's why the Bible is so important, that he'll speak through his word, the Bible. When we read it, it's like those words. You know, aren't there times when you read the Bible, those, it seem like those words are just for you? Or, or there's times when you come to church, service like this, and, and we go through a certain passage, and, and, and you go like, oh, you know, like, it's like God's just speaking to me. I was just maybe I was just thinking about this, or I was just struggling with this, or I had this or that, and it's just like it seems like such a coincidence that wow, that's no coincidence. That's God speaking to you, and that's what Jesus is talking about when He says, "My sheep know My voice." That's the voice of God. That's the voice of God calling out to you. And Jesus is always calling out to his sheep. It's just that we've got to earn. And we've got to see him for who he really is. And when you begin to do that, um, his voice... Just in the Bible, it becomes a whole lot more clear. It really does. It becomes so clear. It's like you begin to know, oh, that's Jesus talking to me. Driving home that night, last night, from that convenience liquor store, and I thought, oh, that's really interesting. I thought I was supposed to go get a pie for Dave. But you know what? Jesus was speaking to me. He would say, Mark, if if you really consider the city, your church, and the people who come on Sunday morning as as those in in the sheepfold, but there's so many more people, like Jesus said, that are outside, that's got to come in. that, That the people that you met at that liquor store that's my sheep that those are people who I love and I I got home and I thought I was going to pray for them never would have God speaks to us like that God doesn't always speak in such a profound Mark stop that or you die Mark, I want you to go to seminary. No. God will speak to us like a shepherd speaks to his sheep just on an everyday basis. And maybe today God's been speaking to you. What has the good shepherd been speaking to you about this morning? (laughs) Because if you come here and you're just saying, well, I'm just going to I'm just going to fulfill a religious duty that I have to this organization called the church. Then that's all you're going to get, right? But if you come here and you say, I've come here to, to meet and to know and to connect with Jesus. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd and my sheep know my voice. What has God been speaking? What has Jesus, your good shepherd, been speaking to you about this morning? You know, it could be something just straight, I am the gate. Come on in. Or it might be something like, hey, you know your friends at work? I'm reaching out to them for them to be to be included, to come into the gate into the sheepfold. Will you go and love on them? Or it might just be something really uh, just a little step. But what is God? saying to you because the Bible says that my sheep know my voice. And God does speak and God is speaking. Now as the worship team leads us in a song, take time, take this time to allow your good shepherd to speak to you. Uh, take that time to think about what he's been speaking to you about this morning. And it might be, hey, will you accept me as your good shepherd? Will you finally come and say, Jesus, you are going to be my good shepherd? Do that. Or it might be, hey, make a little change in your life. Or it might be, hey, you know what? Start praying for your city. Join the fun. Or it might be, hey, you know what? I, I love you. And I love you so much that that you know this thing that you're doing that's kind of you're getting involved in, and you know it's really not good for you and all that. Maybe it's time to give that up, or it might be hey, you know, you come, you know, I see you, you're here every Sunday, you're here in body, but you don't know my voice. Well, you just kind of change the the, the the why in which you come here, and maybe you begin to. To really see me for who I am, that I'm the Good Shepherd, and God's just going to change your life, whatever it is. Take this time, because the Good Shepherd knows you, and He says His sheep know His voice. So why don't you stand with me, and uh, yeah, why don't we just uh, why don't you take a little time, and and we'll after the song we'll gather back to pray and stuff. But why don't you just Sing along or just quietly, God, what have you been saying to me this morning, all right?